myself again. Good afternoon and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It is Friday and it is the Three Amigos, slightly early because of the Peter Beardsley event tonight at the Irish Centre. And if you want to pop along, uh, you can pay on the door. There's limited tickets available. Uh, an evening with uh, myself and Peter Beardsley Jr. Turner is popping along as well uh, to do his uh, anthem. And uh, if you want to come along, as I say, tickets on the door, £15, uh, last chance uh, to, to come along and see uh, one of our events this year because uh, that uh, wraps things up for Newcastle Legends until we start again in January. So hope to see uh, as many of you there as possible. OK, um, as always, we've got our regular slot. Only got an hour and a half tonight because I've got to get something to eat before I, uh, before I go out. So we'll whiz through uh, uh, different parts of the show as, as always. But um, Steve, I wanted to start with you and, and just about the... Um, you know, the announcement this week, Tracy Crouch has been busy. She um, she had her inquiry uh, with regards to fans in football and calls for transparency amongst uh, different supporters, etc. What was your take on what you heard this week? There seemed to be a, a difference in opinion amongst various uh, fans about this particular subject, which, you know, is, is is to be expected. What did you take of it from, you know, from, from our point of view, though, from a Newcastle fan's point of view? Well, let's face it, the stuff that came out was hardly the biggest surprise in football, was it? It wasn't as though it hadn't been briefed continuously since it was announced at what the review was going to be. I mean, I don't think there's a single thing mentioned in our final report that hasn't been discussed uh, over such a long period of time. But let's face it, this isn't the first review. I mean, there's been many, many reviews over the years going way, way back. But uh, in terms of what's come out, I think the the... The, the interesting bit for me was the, the, well, there was a lot of interesting bits, but I think the, the, the interesting bit for me was the, the, the overall governance of the game um, and the fact that it looked as though from, from everybody's perspective that it wasn't being governed properly and that the Premier League and the FA, etc. couldn't be trusted and, and we do need someone sitting at the top of the game um, as an overseer that looks in and, and basically has the power to hit people over the head with a big stick if needed. Um, I think that's probably the, the first thing. But, I mean, we, we we expected that anyway. I mean, if, if, they'd, come, if they'd come out of the long, long uh, discussion and hadn't recommended that there was that independent uh, overseer, then, you know, quite frankly, that it would have made the whole thing a farce. Um, I suppose from a football fan and Newcastle fan's perspective, we're looking at it and we're thinking, thank God it's come out now <laughs> and it didn't come out three months ago because everybody seems to have homed in on the fact that there's something to do with the, the, the rules regarding the owners and directors test. Uh, and I think that in itself was quite a, um, quite a, I suppose, a punch in the face for, for most fans. Um, because how do, how do you describe that? I mean, everybody didn't, nobody wanted us. Nobody wanted the, 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 the takeover um, from other clubs. Obviously, everybody who was in Newcastle Farm was def desperate for it to happen. But I don't think anybody outside of, of sort of the boundaries of a black and white shirt wanted the Saudi takeover. And like I say, if, the, if this had been three or four months earlier, then there would have been rushing through legislation and all sorts of stuff at the Premier League and the rest of them would have been jumping all over it. Um but it was interesting to hear Christian Perslow from um, from 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 uh, Aston Villa talking on Talk Sport yesterday about the 
the whole governance of the game and and where we were heading. Um, I suppose you must have picked up on it, Mitch, that that you know we've got supporters trusts dotted all over the country, and they all seem to have picked up on different parts of it, different opinions. Yeah. Uh, some feel as though it's been absolutely fantastic, and some feel as though it's been a kick in the teeth. Um, I suppose it depends on the on the position you're in and the power that you thought you were going to be getting, and the size of your football club. Um, and that's that's. That's what's going to happen. And I wonder how much of it's going to be kicked into the long grass because every review so far has been kicked in the long Plenty grass. of it. <laughs> Plenty of it, Steve. You know that and I know that. Why we've been banging on about regulation of, of football and owners and directness tests, both in the Premier League and the, in the Football League, over the last two years. Um, for me, it, using our takeover as an example misses the point. Yeah. Totally. The owners and directness tests should have been more robust to stop idiots getting hold of clubs and running them into the ground. Like it happened to many, many clubs in lower divisions where uh, a rogue buyer's got them, uh, hasn't run them with any kind of sense at all, and then left them high and dry by pulling the plug and going bust. And that's what the owners and directness tests should be focusing on. They shouldn't be focusing on our takeover just because it was controversial and the, the, the big six didn't want it. Um, that's ridiculous, in my opinion. Uh, I think it totally misses the whole point of improving governance in football, which is needed for ages. You look who was put as an advisor by the Football League with uh, to help clubs with finances. Peter, bloody good steal. <laughs> the, the, the man who spent fortunes on fish didn't didn't keep the fish properly just let them die and then replace them <laughs> for example yes the man the man who walked into a room and um had had sit in front of a footballer who was thought he was going to be getting 15 grand a week and it would be an excellent deal and was immediately off at 35 and just went yes <laughs> and not a penny more <laughs> i mean this whole that's way regulation and governments in football needs to be coming from. It needs to be stopping idiots getting hold of football clubs. It doesn't need to be... I can't believe that the Premier League sit at odds in any way, shape or form with the British government's opinion on whether you can or cannot do business with Saudi Arabia. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a nonsense. This is political point scoring and it's going to backfire because... Already, Man United supporters just to come out and said it's a bit of a farce, and they're not impressed with it at all. That was a very missed opportunity to do certain things, and that's absolutely the case. Absolutely the case. Uh, and when they're voicing their concerns about something, they're they're a very big voice and should be listened to. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre to see. It's bizarre to see. Um, you know, the national media still banging on about the Saudi takeover. It's done and dusted now, and like you say. The comments from Aston Villa CEO was 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 refreshing to hear. You know, he's, the, the bit I particularly enjoyed was when he said, "You know, the takeover's done now. Uh, the people who've bought it, um, you know, are are good people, and they want the best for the club. And it's 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 time to move on." It was refreshing, as opposed to you know ITV's Good Morning Britain, who you know couldn't wait to have somebody standing at six o'clock in the morning outside St James's Park. And as soon as I saw where they were standing, I thought. How long is it before Susanna Reid starts going on about the, um, you know, the Saudi takeover? And could 
could this new legislation that's going to potentially come in in 2023, would that be able to prevent such a takeover? And I love Tracy Crouch's response. She just more or less said, look, <coughs> from, from my point of view, I can't answer that because I don't know the ins and outs of this particular takeover. But it just shows that, that, that even though the takeover is done and dusted now, there is still within the media... Um, you know, uh, a certain minority, I would say, who are content to still have a poke at Newcastle United's takeover. It's done and dusted now. They can't change it. All they can change is the legislation, uh, which leads to future takeovers. But, you know, it, it, it's ludicrous. It really is. Would that be the, the Susanna Reid who is good friends with the owner of Crystal Palace by any chance, Steve? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One, of the, any, one of the more there. vocal... Uh, opponents to it all. What's good for this in this review? A lot of the things, I mean, Mitch, you and I was part of the Support S Trust right at the outset. We know what Support S Trust aims and objectives are. We know where the pyramid stands and the further down the pyramid, the more stronger a Support S Trust is going to be. And Tends the, to be, the, yeah. the more important it is to have a Support S Trust as you get down. So in terms of some of the things that have come out that would protect in the future the likes of a Berry taken taken hold, mm. an owner that, that has absolutely destroyed a football club, uh, a Macclesfield again where owners have destroyed a football club uh, and a club is having to start off back in at ninth and 10th in the pyramid. That's the sort of thing that supporters' trusts are there for, to try and help build a club back up, to keep that and nurture that football club, nurture the ground, nurture the land, make sure that it's got a covenant on it, etc., etc. And then when, it, when an ownership model is in place that allows that club to grow exponentially or grow naturally, then the supporters within that or have, have an open, important part to say in the development of that. That's what Tracy Crouch's review for me is going to protect. It's going to protect the berries, future berries and the future Macclesfields of, of happening. And and for the for the future of the game, that is vitally important. Vitally important. Because that's where that's where the big problems are occurring. It, it might not be classed as a big problem because it's not a top team, a top club. It's somebody in the in the top two divisions. But it's 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 the most important part of the pyramid. That because this is the lifeblood, this is what keeps communities together, and that's what this review for me that that's the most important part for me that that's that's come out. Yeah, this is really why we've been banging on about this for years, yeah. and and going on about it. And when, when uh, you see what's happening in the lower divisions now, and and teams are starting to get back into trouble again because they've just had a, another twenty five million injection for League One and League Two to try and help keep them going. All of this, like we said, what, a year ago was the big, big picture, um, project big picture agreement that gave money to the Football League. It was just going to kick the can down the road 18 months. And this is what this review should be looking at. It'll be looking at how irresponsibly some clubs are run. The inability of clubs to act together collectively to make a better game. The, in, 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 the way that some owners just go on, like it's never going to happen to us, but it'll happen to somebody else. But that's fine, as long as it doesn't happen to us. And they're absolutely unaware, tone deaf, totally unable to run a club with any responsibility. And then they wash their hands of it and walk away when it goes tits up. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I think Jordan, also... Jordan, Jordan nails it here, by the way. He goes, where was the people when Mike Ashley bought our club, yes. changed the name of our stadium, 
Um, but when we got rid of him, all hell breaks loose. We had a man killing our club. Now we want to rebuild. Great point, Jordan. Yeah, excellent. Absolutely spot point. on. And, and it, it's it, it, tagging on with, to that and also what Mitch is just saying. It was, it was interesting. I think it was that Christian Perslow interview. And it was certainly Simon Jordan in his comments where he talked about the fact that the, the Premier League are keen to put out the fact that they gave £50 million um, to the lower divisions and they gave, and they gave a, a loan of up to £250 million to the championship, etc. But the fact is that there's a reluctance for them to do any more because they know that that money is just being wasted by the people because it's used as an excuse. And if, if anything should come of it, the clubs themselves have to start taking responsibility. And I suppose if you've got the if you've got this governance that oversees the game and gives when a club is in financial difficulty and is going to go bust, it's not going to be for the want of the fans for making sure it keeps. And maybe it's rules that say, well, you don't go in when you go into administration, you don't lose your position. You might lose your owners and get new owners to come, but you don't lose your position in the league, etc. Because all the way along it penalizes the fans, penalizes the people who you know it's their lifeblood. When you watch that Robbie Savage program that he does um that was on that you can still see on uh, on iPlayer. It's fascinating, and it's so you can you see the passion of the fans and how important that football club has been to those fans over the years. And that's what that's what we as as normal football people enjoy hearing and and want to see nurture and want to see keep going. We don't want to see the the, the berries and the Macclesfields of this world go and bust and not being able to come back. And um, we want to see them in their rightful place. Uh, you know being up there challenging in competition. Um, they're making a big song and dance to the fact that 50 clubs, there's been 50 different clubs in the Premier League since it, since it started 30 years ago. But look at the clubs that have been in the Premier League that have that have taken a gamble and it's failed, you know, because again, it's that imbalance, isn't it, that, that, that we're seeing. And it, it may be classed as the best club or the best club league in the world, but it's just, again, we still know it's just for the elite. And, you know, are we going to break into the elite? We hope so. We've got no guarantee that we will. But that that, that there is so much more that needs to be done to protect <laughs> clubs, so much more. And if this is the start, if it does get implemented, or some of it gets implemented and taken forward, great. But I still have a fear that a lot of this, as we said right at the beginning, is going to go into long grass. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Question on the screen there uh, tonight uh, from Zebra and uh, says, question for all of you, who would you like to see as a new signing and who will be a realistic signing? Mitch? Ooh, that's a good question. I haven't really thought it through. Um, I've been getting wanting to see what hell gets out of the, the, the current squad before I was thinking ahead signings. Um, we need somebody at the back to show up at the back. And somebody like Tarkovsky at Burnley would be a realistic target. Takes a good player off of one of our relegation competitors, um, but also would add a bit of steel and experience in the Premier League at the back. And I don't think he's probably got a race clause. I don't know that for sure. But um, I know the Premier League clubs are all making big with a mouth about, oh, I'm not going to sell anybody at Newcastle. But you know what it is? Money talks. Money talks, and you in in a world where clubs are under pressure financially from top to bottom, um, somebody with a checkbook wields a lot of power. So yeah, somebody like that, definitely. 
Okay. Is it realistic though? I mean, would Burnley, who were a relegation rival, uh, sell to us, do you think? Money talks. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't talk, it swears, Steve. Um, what's your view? What's your yeah, view on that? Obscenity, who really cares? Um, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm similar. It's defender. But I watched him on match a day last week and I thought he came over really, really well. And it, it would be Connor Cody. I thought, I thought that that lad mm. no football. I thought that he came over really, really well. He taught the good game and he plays a good game. And there's a leader in there and a guy like him at the back for us. Um, regardless of who, um, not necessarily who he replaced, but who he played alongside, I think could bring out an awful lot more from some of our defenders. Whether whether it was the cells, whether it was. Um, Fernandez, whether it was uh, Kieran Clark, um, I think uh, Kieran got a lot of stick last week, um, and I don't think anyone in the back three really, really did themselves any favours. To be perfectly honest, I thought it was a difficult game. I thought they made it difficult for themselves. I think sometimes they make it difficult for each other as well, not just for for the rest of the team. Um, and I, I don't know what it is. It's just that like like that little bit of communication that's missing. Uh, they are good players, but I just I just feel as though maybe slotting somebody else in, somebody else with a mouth, somebody else with a the organisational ability um, that I think we're lacking at times would be a, a, a huge benefit come January. Um, and then we'll see where we are in terms of our midfield. Uh, but I, I do think that that's, that's the key point and the key position for us. He's a, he's a nasty piece of work at times as well, and I like yeah. that in the player. Yeah, of course we yeah. do. As long as it's not, as long as it's not not coming out against us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, we've got a few questions on Twitter. Um, but as I say, with it only been ninety minutes uh, tonight, we've got uh, we've got quite a bit to get through. The lookalikes went through the roof this week. Uh, some of it was a few people yes. trying deflectionary tactics uh, uh, to stop them being the star of the show. They forget that it's me who decides what goes on. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a good effort, but uh, those those are definitely going to get shown. But uh, yeah, as always, uh, we'll start with the day I met. Yeah, I met where we ask you to send in photographs of you with players, managers or ex-players or ex-managers or someone who's worked at the club. Uh, got a, a nice selection from Tom Dixon, who's a regular viewer. There he is with Pavel, John Beresford and with uh, Gaza. Uh, Great some good photo. photos there, Great. Tom. Thanks for sending Thanks. them in, mate. And you've got another one, I guess, with Supermac last week, which you'll be able to send in at a later date. Uh, and this one from Michael, uh, a rather young-looking Michael, with an even younger-looking Gavin Peacock uh, down at the uh, the training ground. So uh, thanks for sending them in. Keep them coming. Got uh, uh, just send them to me at, at Steve Ray on Twitter. Uh, always like to see them, and uh, we'll give them a show uh, when we can. But that is the day I met for this week. <laughs> So 
we've got the politics out of the way. Let's talk football. And Steve, I guess let's have a, a look back at the game last weekend. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's just a week ago now, but I mean, three three at home against Brentford. We all said we probably needed to beat Brentford, Norwich, and Burnley. Uh, we would all have been a lot happier, I think. We got a point. We could have ended up with none. Um, we got three goals, but we conceded three goals. There was a, a man of the match performance from um, one of the most unlikely people to, to get man of the match, which was Joe Linton, uh, closely followed by another person who regularly lets us down, John Joe Shelby. Um, queer old game, really, Steve. A, a queer day for, for Newcastle United supporters. And we came away not knowing whether to feel happy or sad, really, I guess. Yeah, I, I suppose it, let's take it back seven days, Steve. Um, on the show last week, we talked about two players who had a... Who, who one of whom was thought there was a footballer in him, and I remember Mitch talking at length about that, um, as he has done for quite a couple of months now. There's a player in him. There's a player in them. Let's it might be this week. It might be this week. And we talked about John Joe Shelby, and we talked about what we what we thought we might we might be able to get from John Joe in terms of playing a little bit further up, and um, the way that you know the words that have been coming out from Eddie Howe uh, during the previous week, and we actually saw it. We actually saw in both situations. We saw we saw the footballer in Joe Linton that Mitch has been screaming about, and and desperately wanting to see, and we saw John Joe doing what he can when he wants to. He's got the ability. He can take a game by the scruff of the neck when he wants to. It's just that lack of consistency. Maybe he's a lack of concentration. And I think sometimes um, a lack of confidence in his in, in the fact that he can do it um, game after game after game. It wasn't, it, it was when he was at Swansea, people were talking about him and he got into the England squad, if you remember, because he could, he was scoring goals, you know, at will. He was firing them in. Got a, had a great shot on him. He was he was a terrier and, and he was moving around the pitch. And over the last couple of seasons, it, it, it seems to have been he seems to have gone in over. But what we saw last week was he does have that ability. It is there. It's still in him. And he's he's now got to start doing it consistently. And he could end up being a big player for us certainly in the next games, um, leading up to the to the transfer window and even beyond into the into the into the the sort of second half of the season. So it, that that for us, I think, for a lot of people, was pleasing that we saw those two players actually put in a performance. Obviously, we, we had a we had the situation with the goalkeeper. We expected the brav uh, to come back in, and, and Darlow kept his place. And I was interested in the people around me who were like 50-50. Yeah, well, you know, okay, I can understand him. He's he's been doing okay. Um, maybe he's the Bravka still carrying a little bit of a knock or whatever. Um, and that seemed to be within twenty minutes, half an hour. It was like <laughs> the whole thing had changed, and everybody were on even get the Bravka on, get the Bravka on. This is ridiculous, but. End-to-end game, I suppose you could call it. Um, I'd forgotten what nerves were like in a match again, by the way. God almighty, I got the 3-2 and you're thinking, no, no, and then we'll start to press. And we thought the ball's not going to quite roll for you. I thought the referee had a shocking game, by the way. Um, I thought he was all over the place. Um, but it was just great to see us a little bit more advanced for long stretches of the game. It was great to see the ball moving a lot more quicker. The transition was quicker. Um and and give that juice to Brentford that they made a game of it. They you know they they wanted to play a very very similar game, and I thought we well, matched up quite well. Um, it's just a shame we didn't get you know the breaks in terms of you know the, the deflected goal. Um, you know 
Again, that's defensively not closing down a little bit quick enough. And that means that when someone does take a shot from there, the chances are it could get a clip like that. Um, but at the end of the day, Steve, we walked away with a point. Um, I think a lot of people felt it was, it was a point uh, one. More probably people in the bar felt as though that it was two points dropped. But what it was, it wasn't three points dropped. And that was vitally important. Uh, we got we got another another point and we kept it. We kept it putting in a performance for the for the full ninety minutes uh, that justified that point, um, at least a point. And let's hope we can take it on tomorrow. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, surprising to see Joe Linton and Shelby put a shift in, Mitch. But obviously, they're trying to impress the new manager. Um, no surprise, I guess, to see Ivan Tony score. So it's low, isn't it? Everybody comes back and gets a goal. It's in James's Park, you almost expect it. 50th um, person to do so, I believe. Yeah. Really? Well, it doesn't surprise us because it feels like 200. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and a badge kisser, by the way. Oh, I hate that. Anyway, um, Joe Linton covered every bloody blade of grass. The, the shift he put in, I'd love to see a heat map because I haven't seen a heat map for him at all, but by God. He put, put a real shift in and he deserved his goal. He took it well. Um, Shelby looks invigorated, looks different. Um, Darlow let yourself down, really, for me. I think there's two goals there that he should be looking at and saying, nah, could have done better with both of those. Like Steve says, a deflected goal tells me one thing, defences and closing things down quick enough. And I think that's something we really need to look at. Um, he needs to find whatever combination works best at that. I still can't believe there's not a place in that team for Fernandez. He's the best defender we have. Uh, and I think he, he should be on that pitch. There's got to be a way to, 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 to pop him in, I'm sure. Um, you've got to be happy with a point in the circumstances because we could have had none. Definitely could have had none. Um, and thankfully, we didn't come away with a point. A little disappointing, but then again, since the result and all through the week, Paul, that's come out the club's positive. I I, I don't have a negative feeling, particularly on Twitter. Um, I don't have a negative feeling talking to the lads over here. Uh, and and certainly the words coming out of the club are still positive. Um, so there's something changing in a mindset, and that's got to be a good thing as well. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. A lot more positivity and um, comment there that's just come in on uh, on the chat. Uh, Anton says, uh, off topic, I think I've received more emails in the last two weeks with regular offers from the NUFC website store than ever under Ashley. Definitely nice to take advantage of some. Um, yeah, I mean, they're more communicative and that, that makes a big difference. But when you heard nothing from the previous owner, it's not hard to, to, to outdo uh, him. Uh, Tell asks, do you think any of the cat stuff will end up being exposed? I mean, is, is this something we're likely to see, do you think, uh, Mitch? Do you think we'll see, you know, more revelations? Do you think, uh, you know, any legal action pending? Or do you think this is all just going to get put on the back shelf? The people who, uh, the people who really quite sure. are going to fall on the sword will fall on the sword, you know? I'm quite sure the Premier League don't want any of it to come out at all. And they'll, they'll find every way just to, to try and shovel it to one side. Um, depends how strong Keith Sunday is, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, that, there's there's ways things could slip out, for sure. Um, what I do believe is that the stuff that was ready to come out was damning, 
damning in the extreme. Uh, and, and as part of a two-pronged uh, front against the, the Premier League with the, the, uh, with Saudi unblocking being and working on those things. And then the cat case on the other side of it, which was threatening to reveal quite some startling things. I've got no doubt about that. Um, and then the way they've behaved since. Nothing says cartel and nothing says anti-competitive behaviour. Like a cartel behaving anti-competitively. The way they have since the takeover has gone through. Meetings without one club. That's wrong. Whispers in the corner talking about ways to limit the income. Uh, when they've merrily allowed Man United, uh, sorry, Man United, Man City, but Man United to a lesser degree as well, and other clubs exploit every loophole they can to get as many as much money in from an FFP point of view to counterbalance um, spending. You know, so I'm quite sure in time little bits will come out, but I don't think we'll ever get the whole thing personally. Steve, I mean, is it is it likely we're going to see more? I mean, has Keith Patterson mentioned anything along those lines? Has he got the has he got the bit between his teeth still to hold people over the coals? I think, well, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's got all the knowledge <laughs> at his disposal to do it if necessary. Um, maybe he's up to wait for Liam Gallagher's uh, Liam Gallagher Liam Kennedy's book or well, Liam Gallagher's book as well. That might be a good one. Uh, no, wait for Liam Kennedy's book. That uh, maybe some, some disclosures there. We see what Liam, Liam drags out of him, I yes, exactly. <laughs> No, no. I, I mean, it's interesting. What you, you mentioned Man United and, and then rolled back slightly, but this is this is the Man United who you're talking about the rules. Uh, the rule was that you know you already got a player wearing number seven. You can't suddenly change change squad numbers in the middle of a, a season. But all of a sudden, Ronaldo gets the number seven. You were allowed to do it, yeah. And Cavani, Cavani gets told, "Oh no, this is your number now." After the after the numbers have gone in. And, and how did that happen? Oh, well, that happened because somebody had a quiet word at the Premier League and said it's not really an issue. But it is an issue because it would have made an absolute fortune. Although it would have possibly lost an absolute fortune if, if uh, Ronaldo <laughs> couldn't use that number seven because it's his brand number or whatever, you know. So it's little things like that, you know, that you, you can turn a blind eye to when you want to, um, when it benefits financially. And it, that could have, and probably will benefit Manchester United quite substantially. Um, the next sort of two years of his contract, you know, so it's that it's those little things. But uh, I mean, I think the one thing I would say is I, I don't think I don't think Keith had an end of year with the Premier League. He might have had an end of year with Mike Ashley and uh, in Newcastle United. We didn't have an end of year with the Premier League, so you know, if uh, if if. Uh, if we're looking for loopholes, perhaps that's where the loophole is. And uh, next time I'll ask, I see Keith, I'll ask him. <laughs> yeah, OK, do that and uh, we'll uh, report back to us. Let us, know, let us know what he says. Um, as you will know, over the last couple of weeks, we have been pushing the uh, the membership. If you want to join the cult and a one-off payment of £25, go to nufcmatters.com. You get a nice uh, mug, you get a scarf, you get a pen, you get a membership card. And you become part of... Uh, the members draw and every now and then there is a prize uh, up for grabs and uh, it is a, a wonderful prize donated by QTech. This week it is a Lake District Luxury Lodge, Friday the 10th and Saturday the 11th of December. So that's in the Lake District, a Luxury Lodge, Friday the 10th, Saturday the 11th of December. If you want to get away, 
uh, before the madness of Christmas. Um, mm -hmm. Then you had to be in it to win it. Uh, and here we go. This is the cult members draw. Okay, so cult member 35 is the winner, and that is C. Douglas. C. Douglas, you are the winner of that trip away. Uh, if you can contact John uh, at QTech, I'll give you the email address. It's john at qtechshop.co.uk. If you're in the chat tonight, make yourself known. John is in the chat tonight, but well done. C. Douglas, you are the winner of that uh, weekend away at the Luxury Lodge. Thanks very much to QTech uh, for providing that. And uh, now it's time for... Yep, tweet of the week. And I'm going to cut this relatively short because of the amount of lookalikes that we've had sent in this week, which uh, it'll, come as no, it'll come as no surprise because the lads see some of them. Uh, not all of them, but they see some of them. So uh, we'll go through the uh, the tweets. I did laugh at this one. Uh, I don't know who Joe is, but he says, me in the car listening to Adele, crying over the divorce I've never been through and the child I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was quite good, actually. Uh, yeah, anyone who listens to Adele, great, great voice, but uh, not the happiest of records, it's got to be said. Uh, Gareth, our sponsor from Spider VPN, uh, put this one out. Hashtag plumbers. Uh, found a plumber who works around the clock. <laughs> That's a classic, Matt. <laughs> I, did, I did laugh. I did laugh out loud at that one. Well done, Gareth. Um, this one from Mouth of the Tain. Uh, well worth you giving them a follow, I guess, and just cashing in. I mean, a penny makes a pound. If Newcastle United stay in the Premier, Le uh, Premier League, I'll give one pence to everyone who retweets this tweet. So follow <laughs> at Toon Mouth Time uh, and just give it a retweet, I guess, and then save it for a rainy day. And, uh, yeah, let's see how much we can get off Burnsy. It should be interesting, to say the least. <laughs> uh, Rich Oliver, now I'm watching uh, I'm a Celebrity on silent, obviously. Older gentlemen will agree that David Ginola gives hope to us all. He's still gorgeous. Uh, sounds like... Uh, <laughs> He's got a bit of a bromance there going on, but uh, yeah, I can conquer. Uh, David is doing quite well, and I think we're Richard maybe getting uh, uh, taken out of the jungle now. I think he's he's taken over the uh, the alpha male role. I think he'll be there at the end, mate. I uh, really do. Sometimes it's not about the tweet, it's about the picture, and we've got a few pictures which have come in this week. I love this one. And follow, give at any five West End a follow on Twitter. Uh, United, as he's known, he is posting some absolutely yeah, belting right. photographs. Um, I don't know where he gets them from. He simply probably scours the net and finds them. I mean, I'd love to know who the two fans of anybody knows. It'd be great to get them on and get them to uh, talk about that. But uh, yeah, fantastic, great stuff. Peter with, of course. Sometimes it's just the photographs that uh, catch my attention on Twitter. Um, uh, this one, of course, I think most people saw it. Magpie247 uh, just said the redemption story in waiting. Joe Linton celebrating his first Premier League goal of the season. And uh, yes, that was certainly uh, a good strike and uh, well done him. Um, Doug, uh, I love this. New Mary Poppins themed restaurant in town getting mixed reviews. Super cauliflower cheese, but lobster is atrocious. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> <my dog. laughs> I did like that. It did. It did tickle us. Uh, last, uh, last, 
last uh, couple. Uh, this one, um, Daz, obviously from Loaded, um, took a, a screenshot of this one. I think from somebody else's account. I didn't, uh, I didn't quite catch it, but it was a young boy whose dream was um, made true. I think Amanda and Mia Dad and everybody else made them really, really uh, welcome in the director's box. They got photos and all sorts. But uh, I just loved the selfie. It is a great selfie. Well done, young and uh, must have been a, a hell of a day out. And. Uh, Last but by no means least, I think we'll have to cover this because um, it got so much attention. And of course, we've got a watch expert on the show in Mitch. I've been coming uh -huh. to James's Park for nearly 30 years. I've never been as happy as I am today. Thanks to this generous man, Alan St. Maximin walks over and gives me this watch. Absolutely dumbfounded. Lost for words. Maxi is a true jolly. Good luck today, my friend for life. Michael Irwin, you lucky bugger. Um, Mitch, is it a good watch? Dark Aquarius, a chrono, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't so, say no myself. I wouldn't say no yourself. So he's done quite well to get that, then. Uh, fantastic. Um, have I you got any like tweets? No, Steve. Was, uh, was, was, it, was it given before or after the game? Because some, somebody said if it was given after the game, was it Joe Linton's Man of the Batch award that he was giving away? <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> uh, if anybody's got any tweets, send them to us. Uh, it doesn't have to be Newcastle-related. Sometimes it's nice to look at other stuff. But, um, yeah, anything funny, anything that uh, stands out, don't forget to send them over to me on Twitter, at Steve Rafe. That's Tweet of the Week. <laughs> Okay, we've looked at stuff on the pitch. Uh, we did get a couple of tweets earlier on. Ian Hull uh, says, could you ask this question if it's okay? Is there any alarm bells starting to sound about the club trying to appoint a director of football? Just with reading that Emanalo has been using the club to up his profile with no intention of taking the job. Mitch, I'll come to you on that one because obviously there was a, a bit of excitement. We all thought he might have been going to the game uh, last week. Not sure if he was there or not. Um, you know, I've subsequently learned that Frank McParland is in at the club. Um, I, I thought that Frank was at the club. Um, you know, there was a, a, a hefty newspaper article in the Chronicle about him being at the club. Um, but he's not. So nobody really knew on the director of football side. We heard Eddie Howard's press conference as well say that he had, um, you know, he wasn't adverse to working with the director of football, but they hadn't had that discussion yet. So, we're no further forward. We don't really know what's going on in that department. The club might have something in, you know, in line. There might be an appointment later on. Have you had any heads up, Mitch? Uh, I mean, this week when Steve and Stu and I get our heads together and, and pull some of the information that we get from various places to see if we're hearing the same thing or different things uh, and see if any of we've got something that the others don't have. Um, I'm not always been on... on our discussion list for two weeks now. He was definitely in Riyadh. He definitely arrived in town with the chairman um, and stayed and then went away, then came back. We know that 100% that he's been back in the region. I don't know how long for though. I don't know when he left. Uh, that was the, the thing. I mean, like I say, I'd heard from one of my club sources that um, he, they were talking about the deal in principle, but there seemed to be something, and it wasn't financial, it wasn't money related or anything like that. That there was a there was a personal issue that may be a stumbling block, and uh, 
So whether the second round of talks has been about trying to way around, work way around that stumbling block, don't know. And I certainly don't know how it was left. Uh, one thing for sure, he hasn't been appointed. Um, I don't don't think he needs to use Nikasi United to raise his profile. His profile in the game is is speaks for itself. I don't think he needs to use any club to raise his own profile. Um, it sounds like there's been a thorough uh, process done with him, and uh, it seems to be up in the air. So by reading between the lines, you'd think the club are now involved in a thorough process to think about Plan B. Um, it, it's not an alarm bell as such. It would be nice to have that football structure in place, ASAP, with January looming large. Uh, we don't want somebody coming in as a, as a director of football, for example, um, on the 31st of December. We need a little bit of time to sit and plan and work with how and work with with the, with the club about what they want to bring in and who they want to bring in and what they're doing. Like you say, losing the Frank McPartan not being around as well, it does make you wonder who, from the football, operational football side of things, is advising the consortium at the moment. Um, and they need, do need to get that sorted out rather quickly, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. Steve, is it something that's given you sleepless nights? No, not not necessarily. Um, there's there's far more more important things in life than worrying about who's going to be the director of football or sporting director at Newcastle. But uh, no, the it's an interesting one. I mean, the the longer it goes on, the fishbowl that is Tyneside is going to uh, start to drift more and more into panic mode. Um, we saw it with with it with, when we didn't have a manager, and then we we'll, we we'll, we'll see it again now. All of a sudden, it's the the most important cog in the wheel is is the director of football. Um, we've never had a director of football in my life, you know, in the entire history of the club. We've never had a director of football. We've had a scouting system and a scouting mechanism that's been in place, and we've had chief executives and chairman and such like. But we've just had a manager. And, you know, in the old days, it would have been Joe Harvey, I suppose, they would do the director of football role because he was the one who went around and met people at whichever hotel on the on the A1 happened to be at at that particular time to, to decide, you know, you're, you're the one I want. This is what I'm offering you. This is what we can pay you. Are you happy? Uh, or what, you want another 20 fags a week? Okay, I'll give you that type of conversation. It's, it's, it's totally different now. But I... I go back to what what was said way, way, way back many moons ago when they talked about the transfer targets that they had in the, in the list. And, you know, you, as far as I'm aware, the, the scouting system is still in place. As far as I'm aware, the, the, the um, Steve, is it is it uh, Steve Higson or something, the head scout? Yeah, you know? Steve uh, Nixon. Nixon, yeah, he's still there. Um, as far as I'm aware, I haven't heard anything that says he's not. So that doesn't necessarily mean that... that you know, transfers are off. Um, I did hear that Emiliano was here. I haven't heard that he's gone back. Um, it, this time last week, I thought perhaps that the that there was going to be um, an announcement made this week that he was that he was going to get the job. The only thing that that I genuinely thought might have been holding it back was the fact that while the the, the manager wasn't available for press conferences and and such like because of the the restrictions that were imposed after they're testing positive for COVID, 
that it didn't might not necessarily be the right time to go over his head with an announcement. You know, maybe he's the one to do it uh, when he's going to be sitting alongside him and that type of thing. Um, but since then, it's 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 all gone quiet. It's all gone cold. Um, the trail's gone cold. Um, and as I said, not even aware of whether Emiliano, who I was told was at the match on Saturday, um, has even left the Tyneside. I'm not aware of it, you know. So nobody spotted him. I haven't seen any photographs of anybody walking around. I mean, we've had plenty of photographs of Harrison Ford wandering along the quayside, but nobody seems to have managed to get a photo of Emiliano walking along the quayside yet. The suggestion yeah. was, wasn't it, wasn't it, that when he was here, uh, when they held the training at the ground, it was for his and the chairman's benefit. But that was only a suggestion, and I've, again, never had that verified one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when the train at St James is on the Saturday, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what. That's what. That was a lot. There was a lot of whispering that, that went along that along that line that it was to give uh, people an opportunity to see. It wasn't just you know for the Thought they'd measure out the pits, or, you know. Bearing in mind, we've got a squad who's been together for five years playing on St James's Park, so it wouldn't make any difference. You know, the only one, the only one who barely ran on St James's Park was Fraser, and he didn't even get selected. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, interesting. We'll watch uh, with interest and uh, see how that develops. Critical thing, though, Steve. We seem to, because of because of our direct well because of our managerial. Problems. All of a sudden, everybody else seemed in the Premier League seemed to be scrounging around looking for a new manager. Now they're all scrambling around looking for new directors of football. Manchester United they've taken Ragnick because we were looking at the director of football and his name got linked, etc., etc. It's interesting to see how they're all setting a stall out. I think we did mention that last week, but mm. it's certainly interesting to see how they're all setting a stall out now. And there's like a competition to see who can nab who and who can stop them from getting somewhere, you know. So I yeah, think there's probably an awful lot of that going on behind the scenes with agents, etc. Because let's face it, directors of football have agents as well, just like footballers do and like managers do. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Well, as I say, we'll watch with interest and see how that develops at Newcastle over the next few uh, weeks. Another question on Twitter uh, was from Critical Thinking. He said, quick question. How do you think our side would compare with Eddie Eddie Howe's Bournemouth side? Are we better? And if so, should that mean that we should get he should get a shifting up the table? It's an interesting it's an interesting question. I guess you know Bournemouth Bournemouth did okay in the Premier League until you know the, the you know the relegation season. I mean, it, are we better or worse than a Bournemouth team, Mitch? You're comparing apples and pears. That's the that's the problem. I think what you've got to look at though is we, like Steve says, we have a squad that's been together for a significant length of time um, who have been asked to, to probably punch above their weight for too long. Uh, whereas the, the how the, the, the Bournemouth side, how hard, had a lot of young chargers in. Um, are we better than that? I believe so. Just simply from adding the experience in that we have that they didn't have, so in that respect, yeah, we probably should. Will it get with charging up the table? We've got to hope so. <laughs> We've got to hope so. But I think he's got a lot more established players of Premier League quality to to uh, use in this squad compared to the younger squad he had who didn't have the Premier League experience, perhaps. That's the difference. 
And for the person who was asking what we watch is, it's a limited edition G-Shock video. <laughs> Bournemouth, Bournemouth teams of the past, I mean, uh, you know, are we better or worse, do you think, Steve? Um, I don't think it's a case of being better or worse. I think it's a case of what Eddie Howe had at Bournemouth was a team that he built, a squad that he built and a team with a system that he put together. You know, he found the players to play into the system that he wanted. What he's done here is he's inherited a squad and he's going to have to get that and blend that squad into the style of football that he wants. Shake out the style of football that some of them maybe have still embedded in their heads and, and getting them to do different things at different places on the pitch in different ways. I think that's been the difference. How took a, a squad of players, brought them up from the second division, gradually moved them forward into the Premier League and he, he then brought in the players that he felt would suit in certain positions. He hasn't had the he hasn't got the benefit of that at St James's yet. What he's got is he's just he's been dropped in and he's been given a squad. Um and and he's gonna have to wait until January. And he, I think we mentioned it again last week, it, this is eight games not just for the players, but for Eddie Howe to assess what he has in that squad. You know, I mean, he saw last week, unfortunately, he had to do it from a hotel room. Um, but he saw last week, um, watching on some dodgy stream, no doubt, um, exactly what we are like. Um, and he, and he, he'll have seen issues and he, he'll have sat on 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 the phone on Sunday with, with Kindle and the rest of the of the of the backroom team, and they'll have discussed what they what they saw, what they felt as though needs to be built on, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think every player's on trial now. Um, you know, uh, let's take Sean Lovestaff, for example. Sean came on in the second half and it took him five or six or seven minutes to, to get into the game. And I think what the, what the squad is going to have to learn is that when you get into it, when you're in these situations and you get brought on, you're expect, you're, the expectation from the manager will be you're straight in. You, you, should be, you should be up to speed within you know, a couple of minutes, you should be able to have assessed by watching the game, you should be able to assess the pace of the game and you should have taken the instructions that you're getting on. And I think it's little things like that, little changes, because let's face it, that's why you're bringing a substitute on. It's to create an impact um, or it's to or it's to go and do a particular job. And in, on, on Saturday, it was, we needed an impact. We were losing momentum in midfield. We were slightly getting slightly overrun and we needed we needed a change to happen. There was a couple of injuries. There was a couple of players hobbling. Um, and we were, we, were, we were wanting to get back into the game and hopefully win the game. And I, I thought that at times when the substitutes, they need to learn that they need to step up and they need to be, they need to be ready. And it's, li- it's those little changes, those little adjustments that a, that a good manager and a good coach will will identify. Um, so let's see, let's see. But uh, there's quality in my squad, but we'll find out whether he can blend that quality and whether those those quality players can stand up to what's going to be expected of them um, in the way that they're being they're being asked to play. And then we'll know. Talking of good managers and uh, good squads, and um, this was great from Funny88 and various other media sources. Sol Campbell has suggested that Steve Bruce should uh, be the manager of Manchester United until the end of the season. (laughs) I mean, can you believe, Mitch, that something really, which is, as most people on social media and Twitter in particular can see, was started off as a joke by Newcastle fans, uh, would even reach the lips of people in the media um, and again, just another example of lazy journalism by people at newspapers, etc., to even suggest that Steve Bruce was even considered to be the- interim manager, coach, whatever. He's never going to be. He's never going to go to a club like Man United, is he? 
they've spent the last three years blowing smoke up his ass. So why not? I didn't, didn't don't find it unbelievable or a, a ridiculous step for them to take. We've been told how horrible we are and it's using nasty words about them. We've been told that's all terrible and that we should, should know better. We should respect him more. He's a good coach. He's this, he's that. Right, stick him at Man United and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> then we'll see what happens. You know, it, it's, 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 um, to me, not a huge step that certain papers would go in that direction because they're, they're the ones who've been telling us when we know what we've been watching, you know, don't insult our football intelligence. We know what's happening in front of our eyes on the pitch. And so it wasn't really a big, <laughs> big jump for me to see them, you know, rallying around him. And the word is, is that Ferguson was trying to um, lean on the on the club to, to suggest to have a chat with, with Bruce. Um, I would have laughed my socks off if they'd appointed him. That really would have made my week. Um, but you know, and and the words of Super Mac still spring in me mind when he called him a, a fraud, and that's what he's been in the Castle United for. You know, all this time, yet he's been getting high praise from certain parts of the media, where you know. If you look at our record where we were in the league when he got the sack eventually um, versus the reaction when Tottenham in full panic mode and that 700 million debt shows you why they're in full panic mode. Um, Jetson Nuno. Um, and that was the right decision, apparently. It's it's ridiculous. And that's the way the media have been over the last few years since he's been at the club. Um, certain individuals, not naming any names, it's especially so, and uh, it didn't surprise me at all. <laughs> Steve, I mean, it was tongue in cheek from most of us, wasn't it? Um, you yeah. know, there was nothing kind of serious consideration. Yeah, the only thing that surprised us was that the, the, the in that funny 88 one, I thought it actually, well, I had to read it again because I thought it said Steve Bruce has recommended Saul Campbell for the Man United job, which would have been <laughs> equally as funny because Saul Campbell's been put up for God knows how many jobs recently yeah. including being put up for him by himself as well. Um, it's interesting uh, to say, Mitch, about, about Tottenham and, and about jumping um, and getting rid of Nunes when they did. Um, you listened to Conte this morning after yesterday's game when they got knocked off by, knocked out by the, well, not knocked out, but Virtually not. They've now got to play, They've now got to win a game to carry on. By the the team ranked the lowest in all of the European competitions this season, and he came out afterwards and he goes, after three weeks, I now realise that there's something seriously wrong with this squad now, and maybe Nuna was right. Maybe Nuna wasn't getting the support he needed, and it's interesting. Conti is now going, guys, if you want me to do what I told you I was going to do. This is bigger than I expected. I need a massive, massive rebuild. And that's just typical of, uh, of, of Tottenham, isn't it? And, and making decisions on the hoof in the manner that they did. But getting back to Bruce, I mean, it, it's no doubt in my mind that Bruce got an awful lot of stick. He got an awful lot. I've, I've, I was told during the week about some of the things that, that were said, some of the, the letters that have been written into the football club about him, um, letters directed towards him, you know, all of that type of thing. Yeah, you know, abhorrent uh, treatment that, that he received. Um, 
But that doesn't take away the fact that just the only fact that we've always looked at whenever we've assessed Steve Bruce, and that's what's happened on the pitch, the results, because it's a results-driven business. And um, he didn't help himself at times. His son didn't help himself. And I can understand probably why his son bit. But if, if like David Moyes said the other day, I'm not on social media. If Steve Bruce... Uh, wasn't on social media. I cannot understand why his son was showing him all of the abuse that was being aimed at him on social media. It adds to the abuse that he was getting in written format um, and in emails that people were sending to St. James's Park, you know. Um, but it, it, as I say, it's a results driven business. Um, and uh, the fact that after a 20 odd year career as a manager in a thousand games, you would you would expect somebody of that calibre to be in for the Man United job with that vast experience, um, but would would the same go? Would it would would Bruce would sorry would Ferguson have suggested Neil Warnock, who had more experience for the job? Maybe he could have come into Man United as a as a, a stopgap interim manager. That would have been even more interesting than Steve Bruce getting the job for me if they'd given it to Neil Warnock. I, I did did a me um, uh, internet surfing this week find something rather amusing on Twitter, and uh, it was this account, uh, Steve Bruce at Weddings account, um, and it's just called at Bruce at Wedding, um, and it's exactly what it says on the tin: uh, photographs of uh, Steve Bruce at weddings, um, which of course have just superimposed, and people actually ask for this. So uh, yeah, Bruce at wedding, give it a follow, and uh, if you want cheering up, there's Steve Bruce there on the far, the far left hand side of uh, uh, the girl's photograph, the bride's photograph with her bridesmaids, and uh, yeah, it's there's just we've seen him for a long time actually. <laughs> well, it's just there's just basically a multitude of uh, multitude of photographs of Steve Bruce superimposed uh, at people's uh, weddings, which is which yeah. is quite humorous. Like so, yeah, it certainly certainly tickled me. You can tell I've had a quiet week uh, managing to, to tune in. <laughs> <laughs> all of that, all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, fantastic. Um, lots uh, still to come. Obviously, we've still got uh, tweet of the week, which um, uh, uh, not tweet of the week. Um, the lookalike, which honestly is going to take about fifteen minutes to get through today. Uh, and we've also got tune stat. Oh no, no tune tipster this week. Uh, but he has sent in his uh, usual uh, stuff to to go through. Um, want to have a, a look really about Eddie Howe. I mean, he's going to make his debut tomorrow, isn't he, Steve? It's great to hear that he's over yeah. COVID. Um, like we mentioned last week, they may have a look at when his symptoms first started. And surprisingly, we uh, find that they started a little bit earlier than he uh, thought that they did. And he's now got a negative COVID test and he will be in the dugout tomorrow. How important is that going to be, Steve? Yeah, it's very important. Very important. I mean, to miss another game, would have been a real struggle, I think. You know, the players, the players need to see him on the touchline. Uh, yeah. They need him back on the training pitch, but most importantly, they need him on the touchline tomorrow. And I think that's a big pick me up um, for 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 going into what half past twelve kickoff. Um, vital. We did hear that that there was always the possibility because he was asymptomatic all the way through that it could have even been a, a false positive test that he had taken, but they had to follow the protocols. But uh, I was told on Wednesday that there was every possibility that uh, he would take the test uh, either Thursday or Friday in the hope that he could travel down with the squad. Um, and uh, thankfully, we heard, this, we heard this morning on on social media and in the press after the press conference, or at the start of the press conference, that uh, that he was actually going to be, be available and uh, would see him tomorrow. 
Uh, and I think for the for the travelling fans as well who are going down the game, like yourself, Steve, who is heading off at six o'clock in the morning for a twelve thirty kickoff. Um, and all the local, one of the local pubs is closed, so you know you're gonna have to find somewhere else to go if you can manage to get there in time. Um, I think it's important for you to be able to, you know, you're traveling all that way down, and you're gonna see anyhow, um, basically making his debut for Newcastle, <laughs> his debut on the touchline, anyway. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, we get there as they say, the snow is already here uh, falling on the Dunstan Riviera at night, so oh, uh. Yeah, Yes, it's going to be a long, uh, a long old night tonight. I think, uh, Mitch, no snow where you I've, are. I've, no, I've got the AC set on twenty-two. It's lovely. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Howe's back tomorrow. Then in in the dugout um, for Newcastle for the first time. How important is that going to be? Very important. I think if you've been in the dugout at the weekend, would have won. That's how important it is. Simple as that. Uh, you need your leader there, and and it sounds like he's a leader again. You know, we've we've all had a, a chat this week, and the word out of the out of the squad is that John Joe Shelby's got a skip in his step, and he looks a, looks like a different player. That uh, Joe Linton is up for everything in training. Apparently, he's a bit of a beast, and there seems to be a good vibe. I think the only bad vibe is apparently some of our some of our players don't like flying in the high winds, and they're and they're, they're desperate to get the trip over with. So, um, and if that's my biggest worry. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it you know, but I think having him in the dugout is really significantly important. Tomorrow's game will feel like his first game in charge proper because he's actually there, and I'll, I'll be interested to see how the squad responds to it. Yeah, it sounds like you might be travelling back with a few of the players on the train, Steve. If, do you remember the? Do you remember a few? A few oh sports, my God, yeah. seasons ago, you had that. And I think if there's a few who are a bit scared of flying, especially where the winds are going to be picking up, I think there might be a few who will be uh, not wanting to travel and fly back to Newcastle. So you never know; you might have some guests on the on the train with you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've just seen Tom Dixon. I think post something about Callum Wilson. I think you've fallen for the same trick as Dave did. Uh, it's a fake account on Twitter that says that uh, Callum Wilson has got a, uh, a positive COVID test. There's been nothing official from the club on that. And, um, you know, I think we would have heard by now as well if that was the case. So, uh, Tom, I think that uh, I think that's uh, a bit of false info from you, mate. Um, OK, um, I did say this is going to take some time. So I think we're going to do it now before we finish at five. Here is two knuckle Yeah, God, trying to put these in order as well. What a carry on this was. It's taken up half a week loading these on. Uh, but uh, um, yes, uh, here we go um, in no particular order. Uh, Steve Bennett said, uh, Ronnie Barker for Toon Tipster. Um, I thought about the wee man also, and it's good night from me. Steve, uh, yeah, I can see it. Um, anybody with glasses and that kind of hairstyle is going to be uh, is, is going to be put down. Ian, this was quite creative. Apple Music made Phil Collins look like Voldemort. It's brilliant, that. <laughs> it's great. It? Ian, I like that one. That was really good. I had to look twice. I was thinking, what on earth is that? But it's the pause button, of course. Uh, Chrissy, uh, good, uh, good one, this. He says, an actor from the soap as the world turns. Uh, that was interrupted by CBS News Bulletin report JFK had been shot in Dallas. He reckons that looks like you, Neil. It's quite yeah, a nice cool. one, that. Yeah, I'll take that one. All day long. Not, not very offensive at all. Um, this one from Dave Wilde. Lookalikes, music promoter, who's on I'm a Celeb at the minute, Naughty Boy, and Benny from Crossroads. <laughs> very good. Ah, ah. 
Very Ooh, good, yeah, can, can see that one. Uh, this wasn't so much a lookalike other than uh, 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 somebody replying to my post. I bumped into Chubby Brown in town this week. We've got a photograph together and um, uh, Rog thought it was Steve Hasty. That's a new yeah. one, Steve. That's a new yeah, one. That's a new um, one exactly. As always, there was a bit of banter between uh, various people with Bod and Keith Patterson. And uh, how about this for the lookalike, the real Stavros Flatley? Um, yeah. yeah, which I know this has gone on for, for quite a while. Richard then put this on. Oh, that's not good enough. Uh, what about Ian Cranky? <laughs> Bod and Ian Cranky. Bod, I'm sure you'll be uh, laughing at that one, mate. He'll be fighting back, I know that. Michael Barlow sent this one. Uh, Lookalikey, uh, Steve Braith, Old Etonian and the Geordie Dentist. Uh, and he just tagged us in it. Um, and that's quite good. Yeah, is that Noel Gallagher? And he's, is, is that his, uh, his wife? And that's Parker and Lady Lady. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay, I, I can see that one. And um, this one was... Tears of a Clown, we just got tagged into this one. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good as well. That's that little character, that little lad. Who is he? I don't know who he is. Oh, is, he some, is he a relative he's, of some MMA fighter? He's, ah, he's associated with that, uh, is he Kazakh or Belarusian yes. MMA fighter? And of course, right. uh, old Richard Keys there. Okay, uh, this one was sent to us, um, Colin Waldron and Steve Hasty. Oh. Colin Waldron, yeah me, seventy four, yeah me, yeah Colin Waldron. Of course, I think that was the guy who was on the back of Supermax back in the Burnley oh, yeah, FA Cup that. semi. Um, Holly, you'll love it. This one's from Tim C on uh, Insta. Nana Muscuri and Holly. She'll not have a clue who Nana Muscuri. We have to Google Nana Muscuri. She's a good singer. Apologies to Holly, he says. Yeah, when he clearly doesn't mean apologies because he sent that, and it's better than a cartoon yeah. character, Holly. Um, Graham Coleman said this tune look alike for Borough Mag on the right, lads. Oh, <laughs> I'm really glad you didn't send the, the story to that because I've got yes. a feeling I've got a, I've got a feeling that's some kind of Sunday sports story or something. I've got no, no idea what it is, but yes, I can it's see the look alike. Story, Steve. <laughs> I can see I can see the look alike uh, on the right. Yes, 100. Uh, percent This one was from Billy Trey. Don't tell him, Pike. That was good. <laughs> that's a good one. That. Yeah, yeah, very, uh, right. very, very good. Like this. Getting the hammer today. Uh, so then I started getting some inboxes from uh, Joe, who was trying to deflect away from him and and putting up like putting in lookalikes himself to try and take things up. Um, I'm not sure if he still wants to be on the show after sending this one. <laughs> Christ. Unbelievable. Uh, that's the most you've laughed at. <laughs> and he sent this one for Stu Penman. <laughs> This is Joe. Good luck to you, Joe. This is Joe. Joe he's going to be back at Christmas, mate. You're walking a fine lane. This, this, this is two tips there, by the way. Yeah. Um, it cost me a fortune and drink. Dave sent this one. He went, Joe's look alike. He, now we know where Joe gets his material. <laughs> Thanks for that, Dave. Hope you're well. Uh, this one, then, again, again, Joe sent this one in a view. We'll be having <laughs> words, son. We'll be having you, words. <laughs> <laughs> he watches some weird stuff, doesn't he? Um, but anyway, back to normality now. Alan McKenzie went, well, with my work commitments, I may miss look to look like this section on Friday. So as promised, I've changed focus. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's, that's very good. That. Very good. Yeah, we can see that one. Um, this one was sent by Tom Dixon, I think. 
Oh, dear. <laughs> Steve, let me start growing your beard. Um, coming, coming, coming on to the final hurdle, almost. Uh, when old Hetonian met Jürgen Klopp. That's right. All right. There we go. Paul <laughs> <laughs> Waller. Paul Waller. That was a good one by Peter Hooten. Uh, this one, um, I think this was Tim Cairns who sent this. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm wrong, I apologise. Uh, I think we've had that one before, Steve Hasty. Uh, yeah, we've, we've had many similar ones. We've had many similar time. ones. This one was from um, Tim, the Steve Wraith Appreciation Society. <laughs> so he's basically just made loads of people bald and I'll put tell glasses you what, that's, on. That's Steve mm. on in the bottom corner. It's spooky, isn't it? I th- is that look at is that Kevin Keegan in top middle? It is, I Super Mac. Uh, is that I don't know who that is that Boris Johnson on the right? No. Super Mac, yes. Keegan, Boris yeah. Johnson, Peter Beardsley. Harry Potter and Steve Bruce. Mm. Got to be. Very good, though. Um, I, I, there was a lot, of, a lot of hard work went into that one. Uh, Billy Trey then went yeah. wild on bread. Um, he went, there's Steve Hastie, uh, Mar Boswell. Oh, thanks, Billy, mate. <laughs> and he went, oh, hold on a minute. No, it's oh, Paul Boswell. Yeah. <laughs> and then he went, no, no, hold on a minute. He's oh. Grandpa Boswell. Oh, the whole family here, yeah. and then he goes, uh, "No, he's not. He's Joey Boswell." <laughs> you only missed out on the daughter. Um, I do know. There's plenty of time, I'm sure. Tim sent this one as well. Um, Steve Hasty and Gary Newman, right? <laughs> and Nobby Solano, and I'm not sure who that is. It looked a bit like Tama Hassan, but it's not. Not sure yeah. who that is in the bottom, but yeah, uh, the, the Hasty one. Thanks for that. Good, good relevance. Uh, this one. Uh, was sent by, I think, Rachel. I may bring my look lady virginity. Sorry, Mr. Hasty. <laughs> Not the older. Well, I thought, <laughs> I thought that was appropriate because it's it's not Christmas yet. Yeah. Um, God damn me, we're still going. Garfield Thompson, tune look like yet Wackaday, or is it Walker Day? Tune Tipster and Timmy Mallet. <laughs> Poor George getting the hammer to you. He is, he's getting the mallet. Um, we've got this one, um, which was Tracy Couch and some a Tracy from somewhere else. Good. Never. Did, did, I didn't get that. I didn't get that one. But uh, yeah, it, it she looks alike, so it got in. Uh, Steve H gets well earned rest. Tune tips there and actor Cameron Britton from Mindhunter. <laughs> um, Steve Bennett again. Uh, sorry, mate. I'll get round to you later in the week. Mitch and Doctor Nefario from Despicable Me. <laughs> I'm sure some of these people have been drinking when they've done these. Oh, well, um, yeah. Sam Chipperfield, he goes, uh, Steve Edge has had a trim. Did he go the same barbers as Jeremy Clarkson all those years ago? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, this one as well from no. Garfield. Two look like he's Steve Hasty and Stephanie Cole from Tenko. Aye, dear me. Come I can on. see that one. We're coming into the <laughs> final <laughs> hurdle now. What do you mean you can see it? Joe Walker again. He went, our mate looks freezing <laughs> down the river. Hey, got it, Joe. Hey, I'll be talk about deflectionary tactics. Okay, here's the top three Ian Hull, two look alike, the tune tipster, and the Swedish chef from the Muppets. Fantastic, that's fantastic. Definitely, number two, Mitch and Clint Eastwood. Now you're talking. Oh, good god, yes, that was takeover evening. (laughs) 
<laughs> high new what was it? High Plains Drifter. Um is this a one? No, that's something I've got to plug. This is the winner. <laughs> got no idea who the kid is on the right, but the kid on the left is Lee Chonley. Um, no idea who the kid on the left is either. <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Keep them coming in at Steve Wraith, at Old Hitorian, at Jordy Dennis. Some brilliant yeah. lookalikes there. Keep them coming in. We do enjoy them, and I know the viewers do well too. Done. Okay, that clip I inadvertently put up on the screen was this, and it is Dan Designs. Um, he's uh, on Twitter, and you'll be able to find him at Dan Designs. And he is doing a little donation for the food bank. All you've got to do is buy one of these prints to be in the draw. 10% of the profits go to an, uh, NUFC Food Bank. Uh, well worth a look. It's, it's you know, some, some really, really good stuff on there. And I'm, yeah. I'm just going to say, because I can't get the... Uh, I haven't got the actual... Um, page up there, so bear with us. I'm just gonna. There he is, Dan Designs. It's at D and D and Designs GB. So D A N D E S I G N and then S G B. Uh, he's a digital illustrator. His DMs are open for custom orders, and the shop link is actually on his uh, page. But just look for Dan Designs on Twitter, and uh, he's doing that for the food bank. He's asked us to give that a shout out. He's going to promote the winner uh, uh, or announce the winner on the show on Wednesday. So big thank you to you, uh, well and well well done on that, mate. Uh, big shout out to our sponsors, Spider VPN, for all your Google uh, for your internet safety. Uh, Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of the search list, and they will protect your computer from unwanted visitors. Uh, skipsandbins.com as well. Telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract, free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks also to LNG Family Funeral Directors, 01913897245, and acutechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End in Newcastle. Also, thank you to Jab Signature for making our flyers, jabsignature.co.uk. If you're a first-time visitor to the channel, uh, you can subscribe, hit the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner, and you can subscribe for free. Hit the thumb up to like the video, click share to share to your social media, and drop into the comments box to post a question or to speak to like-minded Newcastle fans. We're also available on iTunes and on Spotify, and other podcast providers usually goes up 24 hours after the event. Next event, uh, coming up is Thursday the 9th of December uh, that is uh, organised by the Food Bank and Bobix uh, it's at the old punch bowl in Jasmine, bobix.com for your tickets for that event, you can also donate to the Food Bank at nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk uh, match day bucket is operational, make an online dono do donation there, and don't forget as well, our website is up and running nufcmatters.com, the Eddie Howe t-shirt is selling well in all sizes as are the Christmas jumpers. Happy Christmas one is selling rather well. And uh, the Sunderland 3-1 uh, Hawk now here jumper is doing well as well. So get yourself on nufcmatters.com. Don't forget as well, Every Boy's Dream is available on Amazon and in the back page shop in Newcastle if you want to buy somebody a copy of my book. And uh, there's also copies of uh, Pavel Cernicek, Pavel is a Geordie, 
and the NMA football book available on my website, which you can see below, www.badboysbooks.net. So anybody wants to buy some books for somebody at Christmas, that is the place to go. Uh, last chance as well to bid on the Toon Tickler T-shirt for the food bank uh, at Steve Wraith on Twitter. And place your bid below. I'll keep that open until Sunday night and I'll draw the winner on the uh, Holly and Steve show on Sunday night. Sadly, no place this weekend for the international show, the views from the Middle East, only because I'm way down to Arsenal tomorrow. Although if the weather continues and we end up getting stranded, I might give that ad to shout and have to do something from home. Uh, but we'll wait and see. Hopefully it will not come to that. Um, OK, uh, we're going to uh, concentrate now on the last 15 minutes on Newcastle United's game uh, away at the Emirates against Arsenal. Uh, as I say, 3,000 tickets uh, have sold out for that game. We're all just hoping we can get there and there's not too many delays. It's a 12.30 kickoff at the Emirates. The game is live on BT Sports. Uh, following the uh, negative COVID test, Eddie Howe will now be available, which is great news. Paul Dummett is unavailable. Uh, Fabian Shaw returned training this week, though, after coming off against Brentford. And Fernandez was also involved, but he hasn't played any part in recent games, of course. Uh, speaking today, coach Jason Tindall confirmed that Dwight Gale was a doubtful inclusion due to a hamstring tweak. Uh, but a trio of Newcastle players are one booking away from an automatic ban. I mentioned that last night. Jamal Lascelles, Matt Ritchie and Callum Wilson um, all have to avoid getting the booking uh, in the next seven Premier League games to avoid that suspension. Uh, the referee tomorrow is Stuart Atwell. This is his first game in charge for us this season. And on VAR is Darren England. Uh, as always, uh, we have our uh, tune stat to give us some important stats before we have a chat about it. Hello, the amigos. A daunting trip to the Emirates on Saturday for the early kickoff. The stats aren't pretty. Newcastle has lost 16 of the last 17 games against Arsenal, the only win coming at St. James's Park in April 2018. A hint for Toon Tipster Arsenal have scored the first goal in the game in the last 16 games, the longest run in the Premier League. When it comes to the game itself, we all know that Newcastle have no win in 12, which is very close to their worst record, which is 13 games without a win in the Premier League, stretching from December 2007 to March 2008, when with Kevin Keegan in charge, we won against Fulham. Now, Newcastle has scored more goals than Arsenal, believe it or not, 15 against 13, but at the same time has the worst defense in the Premier League with 27 goals conceded. 10 straight games at the Emirates Newcastle has lost since that win in 2010 when Andy Carroll scored. And since Ayose Perez goal in December 2014, Newcastle hasn't even scored a goal at the Emirates. Not great signs, but what are the odds for an away win on Saturday? Interesting, interesting as always. Uh, thank you, Andre, for sending that in. I think Andre is going to be there tomorrow, so hopefully I've uh, got a chance to uh, to have a little bit of a catch-up with him and um, and, and chew the fat before the game. Uh, as always, uh, Toon Tipster um, has uh, sent us the odds. He hasn't got time, obviously, to get on tonight with us being a, a slightly earlier show, but we will still play his music anyway. <laughs> 
Okay, his email reads as this. Hi all, sorry I can't make the game. What a week. The Matters Christmas party was fantastic and it was a real pleasure to meet the family. We raised a bomb for the food bank, including the extortionate amount I paid for a Pedro and Coley photo. It's lovely, but the annoying thing was I saw the same thing in the back page window for $3.99. You've got to watch the Q-tip. Speaking of which, I enjoyed my 40-mile hike from the hotel to the game where we saw the Mags cross the halfway line more than twice in 90 minutes. Unfortunately, the defence was leakier than Spider VPN's virus protection. Ooh, you naughty bugger, Joe. On to Arsenal. As uh, as you can imagine, we are not fancied at all. Uh, Arsenal are four to nine, draw fifteen to four. The Mags are of massive six to one, which my mate Richie really fancies. Two and one nil, twenty to one. Two nil, forty to one. Arsenal one nil, eight to one. Three nil, eleven to one. One one, seventeen to two, and two two, eighteen to one. Wilson is seventh favourite to score any time after the entire Arsenal front line. The Brazilian wonder that is J7 is 15 to 4, and ASM is 4 to 1. 2, one, uh, two to 1 if you fancy a pen, 6 to 1 for an own goal. Food Bank Fiverr on Callum Wilson at 15 to 8. Tickle, one goal away from the jackpot again last week. This week, all games in the free scoring League One to have over 1.5 goals, which is 14 to 1. See you all next week and bet safe, uh, says Joe. Okay, um, Steve, we've got uh, 10 minutes left to discuss the game. and We've got to cram in Troll of the Week and uh, the uh, the last-minute quiz. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to re- remind people of the clues that they had. This is for two tickets um, for the Man City game. Uh, the clues were this uh, for week one, 1979 to 1999. Oh, no, that was the first clue. Sorry, that was the badge. That was week one. That was week two, 1979 to 1999. 14th of July, 1987 was the third clue. And this is your final clue and your question. Two tickets for Man City up for grab. The first people that John sees in the chat are going to win the prize. In 1988, the player suggested scored four goals in a warm-up match for the European Championships against which team? In 1988... The player suggested scored four goals in a warm-up match for the European Championships against which team? Get your answer in in the chat. Two tickets for Man City up for grabs. John will announce the winner. Uh, John, can you do us a favour and message me the answer just before the end of the show so I can read it out? Okay, good luck to everybody. Uh, Steve, Newcastle then against Arsenal away. Um, How do you see it going? Oh, you know what? You're, you're, You're... When you see the stats that uh, that Andre puts up there, just just shows you how bad we've been at Anf- at uh, at the Emirates over over the last few years, and and, and you didn't realise until somebody lays them out like that. Um, I, I just we always talked about Arsenal having a having a soft underbelly uh, of late, and you know the, the 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 fact is that they don't. The fact is that certainly against Newcastle, you know, we 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 hop back to the four four game, and we will look at the way that they capitulated, etc. But uh, that from a dodgy start, Arteta seems to have really pulled them round, and I think until last weekend, I think they'd gone eight unbeaten, um, and then they, they put a performance in against. Oh yeah, let's face it, a very very 
good uh, Liverpool at the moment. Um, will will there be a bounce from that? I hope not. Um, I'm hoping that they have a they still have the hangover um, that comes with with a defeat like that, and they're still suffering. Um, I'm hoping that we've got some sort of bounce of our own because how's going to be on the on the on the uh, on the touchline for us, and I'm hoping that we're gonna we can get something out of the game. They're not prolific goal scorers, as, as Andrea says, um, and is high is is I keep calling it hybrid. Is the Emirates still a library or not, Steve? You'll be able to tell us that to, after uh, next week. You know, if you manage to get there, it's snowing and heating now. By the way, just thought I'd tell you that. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's it's. <laughs> They're one of those teams, aren't they? They're, 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 there's, there's something about them. that they're, they're, they're a club that's been allegedly in crisis for a couple of seasons, yet you look at the quality that they have. Um, you look at Smith Rowe in the midfield. You know, the fact that they could they could sell uh, Willock to us for £25 million and still be convinced that they've got far, far better players that, that they want to hang on to. I I haven't seen much of them this season, so it's hard to even come out and and, and decide who their squad and who's going to be in that in that first eleven. But I'm just hoping that we can pull something out of the bag and we can put in a good performance and and pick up at least a point, at least a point. Uh, but wouldn't it be great if we could get three? Okay, uh, prediction, Steve. Um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go for two two, two Straight, two in score, but I'm gonna go two two. Okay, congratulations, Muzza. You guessed the correct answer was Aylesbury. So, well done. Uh, you are the winner of the two tickets for Man City, John, and you will touch base and connect tonight and sort that out. And, uh, Mitch, over to you for your um, your summary of what you expect tomorrow and your prediction. What I love about stats like that is that they're there to be broken. Eventually, one day, they get broken. And the... the the, the annoying thing that is hope in football is you go into a game like this thinking this might day be the day it gets uh, changed. This this might be the day that gets turned around, you know. Um, it's interesting to hear you talking about Arteta. One of the keys with Arteta seems to have been um, deciding on the young keeper, Ramsdale. Inserting him in, saying, right, you're my guy, you're my number one. Is, is, their defence seems to enjoy playing in front of him, and I think we talk about Darlo Dubravka. I think that's that's something that's rather, you know, significant for us. I think we need to have Dubravka in to give a bit of solidity and a bit of assurance to the back line. So I think that's that, that, that's something I need to see tomorrow. Uh, I want to see we we'll just have a damn good goal. We've got no to lose. If we've not won there since 2010, well, just chuck the kitchen sink in it. If you get beat one, and if you get beat three, then so what? Let's, let's say you actually rock up and not do a Bruce ball and actually just give it a damn good go. And I think if we see something better than we know we would have been served up before and we see players improving, I think we'll come away with any positives we can from this result. I just have a sneaky fancy for us for a draw today. Sorry, tomorrow. Um, don't know why. Can't explain it. There's, there's nothing logical about it. But since when does logic and football play? However, I've got me dice again, so I'm going to see what the dice is. Ooh. 
nil one, which would be an away win. An away win for Newcastle. Mitch has called it. So um, I'm going that. one. I'm going for a one one as well. Um, just time to plug the uh, the calendar. Uh, which is uh, the NUFC Matters calendar. Uh, photographs from myself, uh, Dave Beanie and Sarah Jane, who uh, went out walking all the way through lockdown. Some wonderful photographs of our beautiful city, including a couple of St. James's inside and out. NUFCmatters.com. Buy, a tic- uh, buy your calendars from there. All proceeds are going to go to the food bank. And um, John from QTech, uh, thank you for taking the time out to, to design them and make them some wonderful photography. And uh, only one of me in there. So, uh, you know, you, you don't have to worry. You don't have to look at me all year round. Uh, just a couple of me photographs. But uh, thanks to Dave and Sarah for their input in that. Available now from anywherecmatters.com, priced at 11 99 Yes, we know it's a little bit expensive, but it is for the food bank. So please uh, spend your money with that in mind and get your calendar today. Nice little present as well, that, uh, for Christmas. Don't worry, Julie, I haven't forgotten. Troll of the week. Very simple. Answer me, penis head. From Hobnob. Thanks very much, mate. You got blocked straight after that anyway, but uh, that that rounds it up uh, for tonight, and that is your Troll of the Week. As I said, shorter, shorter night. I'm off to uh, comb me hair for the Peter Beersley event and uh, look forward to seeing you there tonight, Stephen. Mitch, great news to hear that you're coming over for Christmas. Um, maybe yep. you might get a show done all together. That would be nice. But uh, have a good weekend, lads. Get yourself to bed, Mitch. Um, take care. Good night. Right. God bless. Cheers, everyone.